I'm differently abled now, which actually I think helped me in when I design events now. I think about differently abled people. I think about older people. I think about bigger people. I think about people who are in wheelchairs. I think about people who got a cane. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 55. Today, I welcome Camille Baptiste. She is the owner of Baptiste Consulting. She also has another business called Swim, Bike, Run, Fun Events. She puts on fun races, running races, triathlons, duathlons, aqua bikes in the Austin, Texas area. She is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, and all-around fun gal who loves to laugh, dance, swim, bike, run, hike, and mentor those to achieve their goals in entrepreneurship, multi-sports, and cycling. She fell in love with triathlons around 2013 and 14. She first started her endurance sports career um, with obstacle course racing. Then she took on the sport of triathlons. She lost her passion but found it again. She loves the sport and loves promoting it and bringing others into it. And she makes sure that everyone around her feels welcome in the sport. She has competed in hundreds of races. Again, obstacle course, running triathlons, duathlons, aquabike. She's done a variety of distances up to 70.3. She's found love and a passion in multi-sport despite an injury that prevents her from being able to participate as much as she likes, but she still finds love in the sport. Please welcome Camille Baptiste to the show. Well, thanks again for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I feel like, you know, I've been talking to you via social media for a while, but I actually see your face. So it's like I'm meeting you, even though it's still virtual. So let's go back to your formative years. When you were growing up, what sports did you participate in? Double Dutch. Double Dutch. Okay. Because I grew up in New York, so that's actually a sport. I went to state championship for Double Dutch. Double Dutch, tennis, handball, basketball. So what was your favorite? Double Dutch and basketball. Okay. So do you still Double Dutch, basketball, tennis? I still do all of those things except basketball. I still Double Dutch. I still still got my rope. When it comes to the cookouts, I'm bringing both ropes to telephone okay. cord and all. I'm taking it way back. <laughs> still play tennis, um, but basketball. I don't. I don't. I watch. I watch basketball now like crazy. That's what I do. Okay. Okay. What's your team? Golden State is my team, and I'm gonna tell you my other my other secret crush team. 
used my other secret crush team used to be Phoenix Suns, but now it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, I like Milwaukee Bucks too. I like Giannis. I like Stephen Curry too. So, but I'm a Bulls fan since I live here. You still a Bulls fan? I live here, and and so you know I cheer for the home. Uh, well, I cheer for the home basketball and baseball team, but not football. Okay, okay. That's what I played growing up. That's what I still play. So, how did you start your um, endurance sports career? Whew, well, I used to be a real big into trail runs and mud runs and obstacle runs. Loved it. You like mud? See, I, I'm, I'm. I think maybe I am a little girly girl. I don't like mud. Huh? Let me tell you, my goal was to finish the race clean. Okay, how'd you do All that right? with mud? I did it. You don't fall down. <laughs> Crawl higher, jump higher, okay. <laughs> swing, swing further. That was my goal. <laughs> I would judge my success at the end of the race by how dirty I look. The dirtier really? I look, I'm like, you ain't trained hard enough. <laughs> okay. I, I, my friends did it once and I was injured. So I went with them. So I think I was supposed to run a race. And my friend had mud in his teeth. And I'm like, Mm-mm, this is not for me. And, and then they showered with a hose and they ain't really had no shower. They had us, they had this holes coming up from the top of a mountain and everybody's like trodden through. I'm like, oh, this is not for me. So I started to bring my own buckets, my own wipes, okay. everything <laughs> to it. So I kind of got involved with that. I mean, I got so good. I was doing Barton mm-hmm. and Tough Mother, they give you these bands mm-hmm. and that's like your metal and the color bands. I had like mm-hmm. four, five, six bands and that was like the swag. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you show up to the the race with your old swag that like, okay you are OG so I was an OG <laughs> and I was clean and cute so I was like oh she must be strong I used to be real strong and then the lady you do this human pyramid and this lady was standing on top of my shoulder she was not an OG and she <laughs> flipped <laughs> like her foot was there and it just slid onto oh, no. my shoulder uh-huh. like just like just skid it off my shoulder. That's the right thing. And the rest of the race, I was like, oh, this hurt. Week mm-hmm. later, rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, That's I hurt right. my shoulder, bottom mm-hmm. line. And the guy said, you have to rehab it. And um, he recommended that I kind of do some easy things in the pool. And he gave me this, like this blade thing, mm-hmm. this blade therapeutic thing to move mm-hmm. it. So I was like, man, I, I can't run. I can't jump. I just started hanging out in the pool. Okay. And then there was an indoor try at the time and sisters trying going on. I was like, okay, let me try this. So I did an indoor try. Then next thing you know, simultaneously, I started running half marathons. I started doing more road races. And then I started riding. I learned to ride a bike. Then I started riding across Texas. Then the next thing you know, it's like a lifestyle. Like if it ain't long, I ain't doing it. So what made you fall in love with the triathlons endurance sports? The constant improvement. Every morning I get up and and I'm a morning person. I start out my day winning. I, I learn a new stroke. I make a I cut a shave. I shave a half second off. The constant learning, the constant improvement, the constant tweaking. It just becomes a lifestyle. And it's come it's like an addiction. I like to swim. I like to bike. I like to run. I like to bike the most. Given my 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 most recent um, debacles with my legs, 
not too much running and walking, but I would hike. I like to hike. And so I just like, I just like winning. I think triathlon teaches you how to win because everything you put in front of you, you have to work hard for. That is so true. So true. I read your article in Triathlon Magazine and it said you had to learn to ride a bike with bubble wrap. What do you mean by that? Oh, girl, true story. (laughs) So I was running and I had two young boys and our family would, they had just learned to ride a bike. They took the training wheels off the younger one. And next thing you know, mommy couldn't keep up. They were gone. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to ride a bike. When I was a kid, I fell one time. Mm -hmm. Next time a dog came after me. I never knew, never had a bike. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how to ride a bike. So you were done after that, huh? I was done. I don't know. Six, seven. I was done. I was like, I don't need this. Give me, I had quick feet. Remember Double Dutch? I had quick feet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't got time for this. (laughs) So about 37 years old, 36, 37, live strong. Is a has a big cycling race in Austin. Okay. And they it's a fundraising race. But they helped me with my sister-in-law who had cancer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I want to give back to this organization. And this is their annual fundraiser. And it's in my hometown in Austin. I better learn how to ride a bike. So that spring, the ride is in October. That spring, that March also, everybody was training for the MS-150. So it's a real popular time to be cycling in Texas. I'm seeing everybody in bikes and I'm over here like, I can't go play. So I got on the bike the first few times. I just I just felt uncomfortable. I, I couldn't handle it. I was unsteady. So some furniture got delivered and they had these styrofoam bubble wrap pads. Mm-hmm. It looked like egg crate, like the, okay. like, the, like the foam you put on your bed. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I cut some up. I put some in as an elbow pad uh-huh. on my hip. I didn't even have a helmet. The kid's helmet couldn't even fit on my head. I put on the helmet and I went in the garage. It was in the, I was in the backyard in the grass learning to stay upright. I figured if I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall on something soft. Mm-hmm. So after we did that two, three times, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go down the street. Then the old lady started laughing at me from the garage. Oh, that Why? Because of the bubble wrap or? Everything. Oh. <laughs> this crazy woman. Oh, I'm still like, who's this old last woman? <laughs> We're bubble wrap. And <laughs> then the kids had, um, they had scooters. Yes, yes. So they had those little pads yourself for the scooters for the kids. I put them on. They ain't fit, but I put them on. <laughs> you were ready. I thought, wow, that I I found this new freedom. I just kept riding and I wouldn't stop. I kept going and going and going. Some days I'll go out for five hours, six hours. It was just so much freedom in riding. But so 37 with bubble wrap, that's what got me to here now. And so how did you progress out of your bubble wrap to to where you are today? <laughs> you know what? Remember I said your triathlon keeps you for winning? Mm-hmm. If you're really passionate and you really love something, you it's like a kid. You go out every day and play, right? Mm-hmm. So every day for during lunch, right after work, I would, I, would, I would just take the bike and go around the neighborhood. I'm like, today I'm going to work on cornering. I'm going to take, because my husband says, stop slowing down at the corners. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what the hell on the other side. I got to slow down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So 
for lunch. Nobody's home in the neighborhood for lunch, right? So I work from home or right before school lets out, it's this dead time. So I would pick mm-hmm. the kids up from school. So I would take the bike out and I would just take the corners in the neighborhood fast, like a NASCAR. And so I would just every day work on something. And then oh, I'll go, I'm going to try to hill climb today. And the next thing you know, I became so proficient at cycling that I started teaching cycling clinics. Really? Yeah. I Every day I would just get out and just work on something new and realize there's something constant that the, the roads, some roads are bumpy. You don't ride them the same way. Some days is windy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some days is raining. And I realized I'm constantly learning. So I go to this endurance ride. I'm kitted out. I know the course. I am looking. I always believe in looking fabulous. It mm-hmm. makes me faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm it fabulous, does. Right? And your lip gloss. And the lip gloss. <laughs> it gives me superpowers. And it starts to drizzle. No, Okay. Now, I anticipated that. I know how to ride in the rain. I got excellent. I let some tie up my ears, got everything. I got my right glasses on. What I didn't account for was the drizzle uh, loosening up my gel and the gel coming down my face <laughs> into my eyes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so when I tell you I became a good cycling mentor because I done did a whole lot of things wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's how I got better. I just kept every day working on it, tweaking it, just little small improvements, little small increments. And then, you know, after a while, you start riding with other cyclists, you pick up a few things, mm-hmm. you get to know your body. Then you mm-hmm. figure out, you know, what works for you in terms of nutrition. Sometimes it's fig newton, sometimes it's potato chips, sometimes it's F2C base doesn't matter. So yeah. as you progress in distance and, and intensity, those things kind of just seem to fall in line. That makes sense. And you also mentioned that triathlons, endurance races has progressed from a hobby to a way of life. What do you mean by that? I wake up every morning at five o'clock and I swim, I bike, I run. And so now, perfect example, I injured my leg. I can't do any of those things. But the doctor says now, um, Camille, you can start walking for rehab. Okay. I said, I- I'm going to need goals. He said, what do you mean? He said, just walk and if you feel tired, stop walking. I said, if I walk and feel tired, I'll be too far from home. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get back. <laughs> I got to get back. I was like, I need a plan. He said, uh, yeah, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> plan. I said, I- do I need to walk 15 minutes a day? Do I need-? So mm-hmm. I just realized I still think like a triathlete, mm-hmm. even when, even when I'm trying to rehab, that's, that's how embedded in me that, you know, have structure in in my workout and have some, and have some goals in what I do. So even when I'm rehabbing, I'm like, what's the goal for today? Or 15 minutes at first didn't feel adequate enough because my body was so used to doing more and longer. And mm-hmm. I have to tell myself, you need to be satisfied um, with that. And then it's a way of life. Most of the time, most people go out for like a 20-mile ride, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I have no business riding 20 miles. So last night, I go out for holiday lights. I'm hanging out with some triathletes. That's problem number one. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Who rides at night? And mm-hmm. we have on Christmas lights. Everybody's lighted oh, up. Sounds fun. And we're going to go, we're going to go see lights. So I'm thinking we neighborhood stopping and going. No, we were mm. strolling through. <laughs> and then I'm like, he said, who wants to turn around? I was like, me. They were like, eight <laughs> Anyway, 
I'm at like mile 12 and dying because I'm, this is like my first long ride in a long time. And I tell myself, I literally tell myself, you've done more, you've gone longer, you're a triathlete, you're a cyclist, you could do it, find a way. And so I'm having this conversation with myself to tell myself what kind of cadence and gear I need to get in to make it to the ride so I don't look like I'm dying mm-hmm. or get too far behind. Then I didn't see any of the other cyclists because I I just took, I was at a moment in my head and I was like, Camille, um, you, you, you're on Zwift, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So you know on Zwift, you race and they tell you close the gap? Mm-hmm, yeah. I started telling myself, close the gap. <laughs> Finally, I caught up to them. I was like, I am not losing you again. So that's an example of it's a way of life. I, I'm thinking like that, even though I'm not training for nothing or doing anything. That's just how I operate now. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. It really does. It really does. Also in this article, which is a great article, you said you fell out of love with triathlons and how you and you mentioned how you found it again. What happened at that time for you to fall out of love? So you start out with a sprint. You start out with the Oli. Then you go to a half. Olympic, is that your Oli? Oli or Olympic or intermediate. Okay. Or international. They call it different different things depending on the race. They kind of all of the same thing. And then as I started to hang out with more triathletes and more cyclists, it became almost fanatical. Mm-hmm. It became about gear and it became about numbers. And the longer that I went in distance, mm-hmm. the smaller my circle got. So I yeah. started with a group of 10. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to 70.3, it was three or four of us. Yeah, I got families. They got families. We got business. And then it's like, then it became like an obsession. I spent so much time prepping, prepping to swim before mm-hmm. I went to bed to prep to swim Make sure mm-hmm. I had this. Make sure I had that. And I didn't need, I just realized I didn't need all of that. It was just too much. And that it's becoming the business of triathlon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm doing this for fun, but I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. Then that was 2019. I was like, I need to do something different. Uh, that was like the last 70.3 I did. I'm like, this This is no longer fun. I'm standing there and people are talking about Garmin Phoenix 45 and, and, and goggles that got GPS in it. I'm like, and then you know what y'all not doing? Y'all not swimming. You're not running. You're not biking. You're buying gear. I'm tired. So 2019, I was like, I got to do something different. I just, and then the local races started to dwindle. So if I want to go race, I got to go to the next town over two, three hours away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've earned the right to wake up to do a sprint. Just like I want to do a 5K. I've earned that right to just do that, yeah. right? We don't have that. So. COVID hit. And so it kind of it kind of gave me a pass that I didn't necessarily have to reject people or reject races, but my heart mm-hmm. wasn't in it. I got you. And so because it got caught up in gear and it got caught up in distances and, and then it, the people that I was used to hang out with just got burnt out. I got burnt out too. Mm-hmm. COVID hit. And then I said, you know what? I want to put on some local races that I would like to attend. We don't have any local races or it's dwindling. Why don't I do that? That would invigorate the people that I would 
I used to hang out with, that would invigorate me. And after a while, your body cannot handle too much long distance racing constantly, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year. It can. Mm -hmm. So what about those people who still want to try, but you know, they don't want to go do a 70.3. Maybe they want to do a fun local race. Maybe they want to race and come back and eat brunch. Yeah. So that's how I found my joy. I was like, while I was sitting on the couch for COVID, I was like, you know what? Let's do something different. So you started a business, right? I started Swim, Bike, Run, Fun events. I would always kind of host events and meetups. And I realized I want to do more. And so when I started Swim, Bike, Run, I was like, you know what? I want to be the F factor in triathlon. What's the F factor? F factor? Oh, the F factor have five steps. <laughs> I want some more femininity. Okay. I want to. I wanted to be fierce. I wanted. To, I want to bring the fun. I want to bring the fitness with friends, and I just want to have amazing finish line experiences. I okay. want triathlon races to be like a party, or like the fun runs or the mud runs. I want them. I want the people to feel the same way when I say about a sprint triathlon. I want them to feel the same way about doing a bubble run. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to know that they could swim, they could bike, they could run, and maybe they maybe they explore other versions of multi-sport. Maybe not swimming. Maybe they could do a duathlon. Mm-hmm. Maybe they could do a relay. So in that, I was like, you know what? We need to focus more on multi-sport. And some of the reasons why I am the sport is lackluster because people are getting burnt out and no new people are coming in. That's true. And if there's no new races for them to come into, then of course there's not going to be no new people coming in. Yeah. And sometimes I think some people don't feel welcome because some some triathletes and some cyclists can be kind of elitist. Like if you don't know all the stuff and you don't have all the gear. I mean, when I started, people made fun of me, but they were like friendly and fun. They weren't like, you know, oh, Weta, you should know this. But they were they make fun of me joking like, why you got that helmet? <laughs> i like, why you got that bag? Why you got that padded seat? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But you wouldn't know about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I cut all of that out. Actually, in our in our imaging, right now we have the Power of She campaign going on because we ask people for real, real photos of them training and racing. We try to include photos of people with basket bikes mm-hmm. or or with helmets on backwards or or mountain bike helmet on a road bike because that's the real deal. And I want people to know that they could do this and don't need all of that. As you begin to get better and progress, you can make those decisions for yourself. But don't come in thinking you need you need all of those things right away. And I think that's also one of the the, the barriers to triathlons uh, is the elite. You only see the guy who's a size 32 in a Rafa kit and the matching socks and the shoes and the $10,000 bike. And you be like, that costs more than my car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I I, I really wish to reverse some of that. Season four, we will continue the segment as the doc. If you have any muscular skeletal questions, please go to my website, click on the link, leave voice message, leave your question and select questions will be answered on the segment. So are your events just in local or do you plan on expanding other places? 
just local. I don't have any intention of, of expanding in other places. So what about other people who might want to experience your F factor? Then, then y'all could buy a ticket and come here. I need to take care of home first. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were injured in rehabbing. Can you tell me about your injury, how it happened, and some of your obstacles and your road to recovery? Oh, I know I told you. I'm trying to think if I could tell the world. Tell the world. Tell the world. Because you know what? Every Well, I say everybody. I've had my fair share of injuries. Some of them, I guess cycling could make you, or cycling all this stuff makes you not modest. So I've had some, <laughs> a lot of injuries. Some of them, you know, I really don't talk about, but I'm like, whatever. Other people might have gone through it too. So <laughs> Cardi B and TikTok took me out. I'm going to tell you how that happened. One major Taylor was August 30th, 2020. It was a Saturday. I was feeling good. I was washing my bike, armor rolling the wheels because we were having a big, uh, yes, I do that. We were having a big um, mural ride the next day to celebrate Major Taylor's birthday. And I was one of the group ride organizers. I did the route. I I was ready. So I'm shining up my bike and my niece was visiting. And every time my niece visits, we always do a little dance. So Cardi B and Drake just dropped a new song that week or the week before, and it was trending. I don't even own, I don't even have a TikTok account, okay? But I know whatever dance she do, we, I'm doing too. I'm, I'm the fun auntie. Okay. So my son comes to me and say, mommy, we buy him a new car the next day. So that morning now we go to the car wash to get it detailed. And while we sitting down waiting for it, he shows me this TikTok video of a girl dancing to the mm-hmm. dance that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. But it's the Cardi B song, a clean version. Mm-hmm. And so Cardi B song had the WAP. But mm-hmm. well, the clean version is Waffle and Pancakes. Oh, really? At least okay. that's what the girl was dancing to. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. So I'm over there doing Waffles and Pancakes, and then I decided to put some syrup on it, and I do a full 180 <laughs> split and break everything. <laughs> Muscles hamstrings tore in nine places, came off the bone, tendon snap, one one glute cheek, not two, one glute cheek tore in half, and the groin exploded. My whole right leg needed like semi-reconstructive, stitch it back up and attach it back to the bone and put the tendon back. I got a wing nut. I like saying that. I got a wing nut in my butt cheek. And that is like almost a two-year rehab recovery. And just around the year mark, Exactly one year to date, I signed up for a sprint aqua bike race. Okay. I did it. Mm-hmm. The week before, right about Labor Day weekend. So I had the surgery September 20th, 2020. And the the race was September 23rd. Labor Day, September 10th of this year. The good leg, it got tired from working. It just mm-hmm. it just started to swell. Your whole leg? My whole leg swell. The good leg, the left leg. And I put on about six, seven inches on my hip in the course of a few months because they measured me in the spring and then they measured me again in fall. And I went from a 35 hip to like a 42 point something, mm-hmm. right? And they couldn't figure out. They thought I had DVT. They thought something, a uh, blood clot. And... When they did all kind of 
bottom line is it was a crack in my patella hmm. and I was seeping li- liquid. Really? And a little piece of chip of the bone, a little chip. Well, you should know this. Your author, a little chip somehow got embedded in the muscle fiber. Hmm. And I'm thinking, how did my patella crack? I didn't. Why is there a little fissure there? I ain't bump nothing. I ain't do nothing. Mm-hmm. I've been so cautious. I have been in bubble bath virtually <laughs> for a whole year. And I'm like, I, I, and so I'm an engineer by 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 schooling and chemical. So I'm like, you know what? My big ass, literally, my kneecap cracked under pressure. Hmm. Or all the extra weight. So you end up having to drain the knee, two syringes worth in half a cup. Mm-hmm. And then he says, just need to let, let these things work out. And I had this strange, weird black and blue mark on my thigh. Mm-hmm. And then one day it went away. On your good leg? On my good leg. The leg that was sw- swelling. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Now, I went last month. He said he sees a baker cyst behind there now. All the okay. fluid is gone. The swelling is gone. That little black and blue mark. Every little thing is fixed. But now that leg can't go straight. Because of the baker cyst behind it. Okay. And so my good leg, which is the bad leg now, mm-hmm. my left leg can't can't go straight. And my right leg doesn't like to bend. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm standing with my hand on my hip with one leg straight and one leg kicked down. They think I'm trying to be sassy. I'm just trying to stand upright. So I know that's a lot to say, but yeah, I'm... I'm differently abled now, which actually I think helped me in when I design events now, I mm-hmm. think about differently abled people. Mm-hmm. I think about older people. I mm-hmm. think about bigger people. I think about people who are in wheelchairs. I think about people who got a cane. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Fast Chick Meetup in 2019 mm-hmm. at uh, Tri-AC, mm-hmm. Virginia Davis, I think she has sickle cell. Mm-hmm. Really bad that it affects her spinal cord. Okay. So I know I saw her swimming. I know I saw her on the bike blowing up the course. And then I'm at the finish line. I see her walking across the finish line with a cane. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What, what happened? happened? Mm-hmm. So she explained. And I found myself having to walk across the finish line with the cane too. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, being differently abled has kind of helped spur this swim bike run fun events along mm-hmm. because now I really encapsulate, I have a vibe of, you know what, this is what every female endurance racer might experience or could experience or needs to experience because, you know, they, they, they come from all different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's changed you, this injury recovery, how you think about racing in general, would you say? Yes. It also makes me respect the distance. A lot of times we say sprint and we treat it like a 5K and a sprint, if you put it up and stack it up against all other endurance events, mm-hmm. it's it's as equally hard as a half marathon. It is because it's, it's three different sports. A sprint distance needs to get some more respect. So I do respect the distance now. I remember at a, a race, I'm always a champion for the little guy. Or oh, I hate people who who think because you could do this makes you better than someone else. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I just said you're a professional exerciser. 
Yeah. But <laughs> we were at a race and it was a sprint race and the distance was only 400 yards open water or 400 meters. This lady was kind of nervous and said, don't worry, you know, you do that in training. I'm like, you do that in training. Maybe she don't. That's right. <laughs> so once you start getting up there. You forget about where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. And so this has helped me remember, you know what? Five minutes in the pool seems like 50. I understand. I understand. You know, I've had my fair share of it. I had surgery last year and I'm. Um, it depends. Some days are good. I can go out and run and feel like, hey, and then I went skiing last week and I can barely walk the next couple of days. And my coach wanted me to run eight miles and I just laughed. I was like, I can't, I can't walk. <laughs> I ain't ran eight miles since I had surgery either. Cause <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> and run the whole way up because I've been walk, running too. You better like, pay him cool. to change it. This is funny. <laughs> I was like, eight miles. If you pay him to write two. that, pay him to change it. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, this is funny. But I feel you. I feel you. It makes you appreciate. Like, I did a sprint last year on my birthday. Or was it a super sprint? I can't remember. I was just so happy. And it, then it was the swim was in a pool, even though it was outside. I was like, I did a race and I got a medal. <laughs> And I, and I didn't even look at my time because I know it wasn't great. But I'm like, I'm happy to be out here. <laughs> yes. So when I'm designing races and course, I'm thinking about us. I'm thinking about the old gals, the OGs <laughs> who still want to make it to brunch looking cute or to church on a yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. But then, believe it or not, we have that confidence that we've done it before. But we, we, we appreciate that finish line a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, because we did it with minimal training. We're like, oh, I still got it. Mm-hmm. But then it makes you appreciate the person who works so hard for it because it is work. It is. And so when you huffing and puffing and they see you and you're like, oh, she an OG. Oh, I'm better than her. She huffing and puffing. Oh, I got, it gives them confidence. So sometimes us being out there means so much to the other races, believe it or not. Even if that gives them that fleeting moment of feeling like, oh my God, I got this or I'm doing better than her or I'm with somebody I know. I'm in good company. So it's really important. One of the things with Swim, Bike, and Run Fun, I really tried to connect new athletes with seasoned athletes. That's the only way for us to learn. So I really treat this like a dinner party. Sometimes when I'm racking, when I'm designing racking, mm-hmm. and our races are small, so we could do that. 200, mm-hmm. 200 participants. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I know her. She's going to she's gonna go right here. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll, I'll strategically go, can you? Can you set up your transition next to this racer? Because, you know, they've corresponded a lot via email beforehand. They have nervous. It's their first race. And sometimes they just want to make sure that they okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think a sprint race, a duathlon race, a sprint race is good for all athletes, new and old. I agree. And the aqua bikes too, because I, I need to do some when my knees won't let me run. So what is your favorite race? Do you have one? My favorite race of all time. Like, I want to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, not necessarily because I have had favorite races. Do I want to do them again? Some of them, yeah. Some of them, I don't really care. I'm a one and done chick. I like new races because once I've done it, I'm like, I know that. I used to be all caught up in PRs and best in the course, but I realized that 
even though I race the same course the next year, it's not the same race. True, because the weather's different. The weather's different. You the water different. could be different if you're doing a triathlon. It could be choppy one year and like last the next. So you never know. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> no. So I don't want to waste the money on the same thing. I'm like, I know that. Let me do something new. So my most favorite race would be two. Try Waco. Okay. I actually podium there. Cool. And not because I podium. What you mean? It was because somebody cut in front of me and I twisted my ankle and I still podium. Wow. So that that <laughs> on the podium I had a big I, I a bag of ice wrapped your around my neck. And I, I it looked like what happened to her? And I was like, take this thing off my head. I don't want it in the picture. And they and they was like, but it looks so badass. I said, I don't want no bag of ice hanging off my foot. <laughs> and then my second one was um, Sylvan Beach Try. It's actually in the Houston area, and you actually swim out in the Gulf in the beach. And that race really taught me a lot about competitiveness and other competitors. I had so much lessons in that race. First, I, I raced as an Athena for the first time. If you don't know what an Athena is, it's a weight class in triathlons for females who are over 165 pounds, AKA the bigger or the taller girls, right? Mm -hmm. And the wave went last. Okay. That tripped me out. I have never gone or started a race last in my life. Mm -hmm. It is. It, let me back it up. The Sylvan Beach Try was my most educational race ever. Sportsmanship, race format, procedure, everything. So I start the race last. Okay. It's six, six to eight of us, no more than 10 of us in the Athena class. So we all go in the water. We all go in last. I'm maybe the fourth person, fourth to the last person that gets walks in the water. The water is choppy. Mm -hmm. Before I get in the water, this lady walks up and goes, you're an Athena? I said, excuse me? Mm -hmm. I'm just checking. I'm like, what's that problem? I don't know this lady. It turns out she's a local that likes to dominate the podium. So she's sizing up her competition. Mm -hmm. right? Really? She's doing it badly. Is like that serious? Serious. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, she don't know me. I'm a Jenny from the block. Don't make the Brooklyn come out. Don't make the Caribbean come out. And I'm over here laughing and chatting and talking with somebody. She had to come over and change the whole vibe. Right. And the water is so choppy that they have they have um wind advisory flags up on the oh, wow. thing. So it, it's so I'm trying to keep the mood light. Yeah. So we're going in the water. <laughs> so I'm going in the water. I never slam in choppy water like that. It's salty, it's brackish, so it's salty. The waves are changing direction. And I look over and the same lady is swimming in a snorkel. In a race? And, and, the, and, and the swells, yes. And there are swells, not calm lake water. There are swells yeah. and waves. And I'm like, and she's like breaststroking. <laughs> she I had never seen that in my life. I'm telling you, is this, this race? <laughs> I think I get out the water before the lady. Mm -hmm. But when I got the transition, it was empty. Mm -hmm. I had never had that experience before. I found my bike quick. <laughs> it was only it was only three, four bikes left. <laughs> so 
I was I was one of the last. I was maybe the the third to the last to get out the water, mm-hmm. and so it was only yeah, it was only three four bikes left. So I get on the course, and it is lonely. Mm-hmm. I have never had an, a race where there weren't other people. Mm-hmm. The whole reason why I race, I get energy off other people, yeah. mm-hmm. and there was nobody. I couldn't even talk to a squirrel. It was nobody to <laughs> race. No train, no cars. And it was, it was, I was like, this is some ghost town stuff. Now the snorkeling lady come buzzing by me. I'm like, okay, good. I got somebody. But then the way how she buzzed, we caught up to the lady in front of us. She didn't even say that she was passing. I mean, just poor sports. Really? Oh. As soon as I passed that other lady, I was Mm -hmm. like, Looking good. All of a sudden, her seeing me gave me extra energy. Now I start flying down. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm catch this snorkel lady. <laughs> and then, and then the course went underneath. I don't know. There was there was a course, slight course modification. And because I have a photographic memory, I'm like, this is not what I know. Mm-hmm. So it made me be a little bit more cautious in the car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's another turn coming up. I don't want to miss it. I don't trust mm-hmm. volunteers. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and I don't want to miss the, the markings on the floor. And so when I cautiously go under this bridge and turn, mm-hmm. I lose the lady, the snorkel lady. Mm-hmm. But I start riding with other people. So I'm like, oh my God, I never realized it's so lonely. Just how people in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it just felt weird. Mm-hmm. So now get into transition and I'm on the run course. Mm-hmm. I am running eight minute miles. Mm-hmm. My fast pace is nine something. I don't mm-hmm. know what was in me. Maybe I was trying to subconsciously run down that snorkel lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was running so fast, water start to go everywhere. And I'm like, by now I should be dry. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a profuse sweater. I was running so fast. I was I peed myself and was peeing while I was running. Never happened before. Like I said, this 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 race (laughs) was a mess. (laughs) So I I get a five k PR, a pissy five (laughs) k (laughs) PR, and I think I was so hot. I end up running in my bra and I had never done a triathlon race just in my bra. What I'm telling you, this race is the most <laughs> memorable race. So I don't know if you know Candy Caesar. I don't think so. Okay. So in the Houston area, they have a very huge para triathlete club called Catapult. So people mm-hmm. who have um, artificial limbs or I don't know what the right, correct term is, but uh, adaptive athletes, I think okay. it is that crew. So I kind of go sit with her crew. She's in BTA. Okay. Um, she said, I go sit with her and we talk and I didn't really want to be next to nobody because I'm not quite sure how I am physically. You know, I just told you I had a PC five kids. <laughs> and then my family was in that. We at a hotel two blocks away and I don't see my family. I was hot. I was hotter than fish grease. <laughs> I'm like, where is my family? Nobody here at the finish line. And I'm usually having peeps. So it was a really lonely race. And I'm mm-hmm. a peep person. The lady comes up to me, snorkel lady. Mm-hmm. Good ride there. You almost caught me. What the hell wrong with this lady? I missed podium by 14 seconds. Wow. 
I wasn't trying to do podium, but I understand why she was concerned now. I didn't even know they had an award ceremony. I didn't even know nothing about podiums. I didn't know nothing about none you of that. You just was racing. This was my, yeah, because I believe, you know what? I'm going to try Ocean Swim Try. So this was like my first year of doing a whole bunch of different triathlons. I'm no longer a baby triathlete. I'm telling myself I'm I'm the real deal. I'm, I'm going to swim in the ocean. That race had so many life lessons about what it is to be a back of a packer, what it is to race on a lonely course. And so when people tell you sometimes that it's, they feel some kind of way. It's because they do. And I'm like, I could have stayed home and done this in my backyard if I was going to ride and run and swim by myself. Mm-hmm. But so they let the lady what, have a snorkel. I don't think that's fair. It's part of USAT rules. You know what happened? She mm-hmm. know the rules. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that. It made me look it up. She know the rules. She could tell you the section point nine 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 <laughs> chapter 3, third paragraph down, second word. Snorkel. Wow. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, it is USAT rules. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, those two races are the most memorable. What's your favorite distance? Now? Yeah. Girl, anything I could do get when I get off the couch. Right now it's an aqua bike, a sprint, a sprint aqua bike. Okay. I could okay. do an Olympic aqua bike. Okay. That's my jam now. Olympic aqua bike? I need to do an aqua bike. They sell out really fast because I was going to do from last year and they all like sell out just like that. I think I'm going to put on a race that's just aqua bike. I mean, I'm going to come down there with my bike. A lot of people believe aqua bikers don't get the same accolades as triathletes and they working just as hard. True. So I think we need our own race. True. I'm going to come down there with my bike. You know, I, you know, I'll travel. You are. You're coming down in the woodlands in a few months. Mm-hmm. What's on your um, bucket list as far as triathlons? Do you have one, a bucket list? Yes. I want to do a triathlon on the West Coast. Which one? I don't care. Got to be in the Pacific Ocean. Got to be in the ocean. Okay. It could be a sprint or Olympic. I think there's one where you jump off the boat. I think escape from Alcatraz. Um, maybe I might be considering that. I want to be able to say I did a triathlon in the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf, and the Pacific. That's good. That's good. That's good. Jump off the boat. I'll come to shoot you on. I'm scared of drops, especially into water. And you know what? There's the California try. There's the the, the Los Angeles try. That's a sprint. That's mm-hmm. really nice. I, I'm looking at that. And so... It doesn't really matter. If I could do it with friends or bring a group of girls and we make it a thing, then I'll then I'll go. But I want to say that I did a triathlon on the on the West Coast. Okay. That's cool. Part of my podcast is to feature guests who have overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you overcome? Whether it be racing, life, or you kind of told us about one as far as your injury. But um the aqua bike that I just did in September. That was a very scary time because right before that, my that Wednesday before the race, I was in the hospital. Really? Because they um they thought I had DVT or diverticulitis. Because your leg was swelling? Yes. And they said they can't let me go until somebody, some second or third level person reads the, sc- the, the screen to make sure it's truly not a, 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 blood, a blood clot. 
Mm-hmm. They did a blood test. They did this. They did that. And it was like, come here. We we won't let you go. And I was so determined to do that race. I started chewing like candy the inflammation pills that they gave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm drinking water. I, I'm I'm trying to squeeze the water out. I didn't put a band ace bandage wrap in. I'm trying to squeeze everything out because we had some friends. As four or five of us were going down. And I was like, I need to make it to this start line. So I told my husband that I'm just going to go down there since I paid for the room. Mm-hmm. He said, I know my wife, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I told my friends, I'm going to see how I'm going to feel that morning. If I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. Well, mm-hmm. I was feeling it. So I mm-hmm. did it. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the race, like I had to get my cane to walk across. Was the finish line. My leg wasn't swelling, but it was it was really stiff. Stiff, uh-huh. right? And that was the first time I tried to, you know, I didn't necessarily push it, but I was I was racing. I was racing my own race. Yeah. And so that was really kind of scary because I could have potentially locked up or not being able to get off the the bike mm-hmm. or walk after getting off the bike. And I'm like, is this medal worth it? But I just wanted to do it, so I did it. You did it. You made it. Hey, you made it and you felt great, I'm sure. I I did. I had some beers afterwards. Mm? <laughs> you felt great crossing that finish line. Actually, I jogged across the finish line with the cane. I think that's what really made me have to sit out for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's okay. You know, you do what you love. Like, God rest my mother. She used to... <laughs> She used to be with a cane and had heels on. I'm like, this don't make no sense. But she had to be cute. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. <laughs> it's smart. She has to say to say the the cane for security. Okay. <laughs> so, and if an adult Camille could go back and talk to a young Camille, what advice would you give yourself? I would run more. You would run more. Did you run as a child I when you it. did the double dutch and and I tennis? I'm quick on my feet. I liked handball. I liked tennis, which is short bursts. I'm a short burst girl. Basketball up and down. Short bursts. Yeah. Long distance running. It's different. It's different. And when I did start to try to do long distance running, I had boobies. I had chest. I'm like, now I got things to, I had just had babies. I'm mm-hmm. like, I had this before. And so I would tell my young self, start running sooner. Hmm. Interesting. Or don't stop running after school. Yeah. That's probably the better, better, the best advice. Any last minute words of advice from our listeners? I don't know. What did your last person tell them? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. All right. So if you're getting into triathlons, I don't want you to be worrying about gear. Find a tribe, find a group, find a club, ask questions. Everybody had the same questions. There's no stupid questions. They might chuckle at first, but they mean they mean what? They might not be chuckling at you. They chuckling at themselves, remembering when they had yeah, that. Yeah, it's all it's all fun. You can tell when people like are laughing with you versus trying to. If they laugh, laugh at, you. at you, send them my way. I, I can be a bully <laughs> if I need to. If you fell out of love with triathlon. Go find your little sprint or Olympic distance race. Find your jab. Find your jam again. Find your finish line. It'll it'll just reinvigorate you and start doing it around people that you like with. When you have fun and you have 
friends and you have fit friends, that's very hard to come by. Enjoy them. And so that's what I want to say is make triathlon fun and don't get caught up in the numbers. Don't get caught up in the gear. Get caught up in crossing that finish line. And then if you're going to tweak some things, work on one thing at a time. It can go crazy. You're trying to get faster with the swimming. You're working on your stroke. You're working Mm -hmm. on your pedaling. Just pick one thing. Mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming. Yes. Pick one thing. I guess I told them a lot. I hope they. You did. That was very. That's what I need to listen to it myself. Because sometimes I want to be superwoman. But then I realize that I'm a mere mortal and I can't do it. Wait a minute. What? You are a superwoman. You just no, need I mean, to change your you measurements. You just want to do too much. You want to be great at everything and you want it to come just like tomorrow. And you know, all of this, it's a process, especially swimming. It's like, it's so technical. And people are like, why you still take lessons? You know how to swim? I like, I learned in 17. It's so technical. I mean, it, but it's, it's fun when like, when I see improvement, but it's like, it's just, it's interesting to me. I had to tell myself, you can see quicker improvements in cycling and in yes. running. Yes, cycling, not running for me because I get injured. At least <laughs> in numbers, in numbers. Remember I said don't get caught up in the numbers? Mm-hmm. And in swimming, you shave two seconds. That's Olympic quality stuff. It is. Okay, you shave two tenths, three tenths, four tenths of a second. That could take you four years to work on. And so sometimes we... We, we look at those numbers relative to swimming, relative to running and cycling, and we don't appreciate those small gains. Remember, I told you I tried everything, right? Mm-hmm. So one season, all I did was work on swimming. Mm-hmm. That's all you did. I didn't, I didn't get much faster. I got hold, I got wet. <laughs> well, I'm sure you got more. I, don't, I think some of swimming is, is confidence. Just getting that's, in there. That's the point. I, I, I didn't realize, I didn't get much faster. I got a lot wetter, got a lot tireder. <laughs> But in terms of any water, if it's choppy water, salty water, any kind of water, I feel more confident. I have a strategy to deal with. Hmm. So sometimes you improve in swimming with your confidence, but also in your control. That's true. So where can people find you if, or if they want to come to Austin and do one of your fun races? So if you want to have a very fun, fabulous female finish line because most of my races are women only find us at swim bike run fun.net swim bike run fun.net and i'm camille baptiste i'm so boring i don't even have a special name you can find me on social You're not boring Facebook, instagram <laughs> i don't got well look my my instagram name is my hashtag is flossy gossy but that's not my name <laughs> And somebody said, what if an employer looking for you? I'm like, well, well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will put your stuff in my show notes so people can find them. Oh, thank you. I really do appreciate having a conversation with you this Friday afternoon. I hope that you appreciate having me as a guest as well. It was lovely. I love talking to you. It It did something for my spirit. Really, really, really did. Seriously. It really did? Yes. Does your crew and does your listeners really know how fabulous and awesome you are? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to take a minute. Y'all don't know about Dr. Brown. <laughs> Dr. Brown, you know what? She's 
She is Superwoman. She does a, she she does a surgery on what do you call that knee crutch? The on knee the crutch. on when you had when you the little knee scooter when you did the surgery on the knee scooter. Oh, uh, when I had foot foot procedure when I was scooting yeah. around on my knee. She's yeah, that, she's that dedicated that she <laughs> did the surgery on her knee scooter. Well, I sat down because when I was operating in, I just scooted in the room and sat down on, on the stool, <laughs> a small case. But she's really dedicated to the sport and learning. And also, I, I see you on social and I just smile because you keep it authentically real and people need to see that. Yeah, people need to understand that the things that there, that there's no magic and it's only hard work. And as you, you keep working, you keep winning. That's it. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you and please tune in again.